0: Welcome to the November 12th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 12. And the sermon is entitled, Blessed in the Midst, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. I'm grateful to grab again the Word of God, so I'm going to encourage you to grab your Bibles. Go to 1 Peter chapter number 3, 1 Peter chapter number 3. It is my goal to get through the third chapter of 1 Peter Before Christmas, or maybe I should say this, before we get to our Christmas sermons, okay? That's my goal uh, as we look to get through this and then we get into our Christmas season and certainly there will be a focus through that time. But I'm grateful for this book in which we've taken a couple weeks off from, but now we grab it again and we pick it up and I want to just grab it and I want to ask the question, Uh, that I used to ask every Sunday, and I've let it go by the wayside, and that is this. I haven't forgotten it. I want you to know the same uh, expectation I had from day one is the same thing I have every time I come into the house of the Lord, and that is this. As you woke up this morning... And as you got yourself ready and as you prepared yourself, did you prepare yourself to hear from the Lord today? Did you come expecting God to speak to you this morning? Okay, half of you did. All right, the other half, listen to me now, get ready because I believe the Lord is going to use 1 Peter chapter number 3 to get us closer to Him, to refresh or to catch you up from where we've been. We have been working through 1 Peter and we have been talking about submission Submission, submission. And many of you know those three sermons I'm talking about. The submission to government. You remember that one? You remember the one of submission as we talked about to the master in the workplace? And then we talked about submission in the home... Wives submitting to husbands, but husbands being the spiritual leader and the one that is is the crucial one in that house to lead the spiritual discernment there. Y'all remember those sermons, right? Good, because they were hard sermons to preach. I want you to know that, okay? I'm glad you remember them. Today we get a little reprieve, and that reprieve is this. In between Peter talking about submission and moving in to the thought or the process of suffering... We get five verses here as a reminder in between the submission and the suffering. Guess what? God's at work. God is at work. And I know sometimes when we are going through things as Christians, it's hard to see God at work in those situations. But here's what I want to remind you, faithful ones of Clifford Baptist Church, faithful ones that are watching live stream, that is this. Continue to be faithful. Submit where you need to. Be obedient where you need to. And then when the suffering comes, God will be faithful in those times. God has not left you. Remember, Peter is writing to a group of Christians that have been pushed out of their normal homes and pushed out into distant lands that are sojourners. And as they are sojourners, here's Peter's reminder, God still knows where you are. God still has a blessing to work through your situation and through your life. That may not bring you glory, but will bring Him glory. And sometimes today, here's the message of the day. Get your eyes off of yourself and get them on God. And He will lead you through everything and anything that you will encounter. So today... As we look at five verses, I'm going to do something that I normally don't do. I'm going to read all five of those verses and then we're going to come back and we're going to break them apart into the pieces. So look at 1 Peter chapter number 3 starting with verse number 8. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary wise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Today, as we think about the word of God, I've titled this message, Blessed in the Midst. Blessed in the Midst. And the first point that I want to give you comes from verses 8 and 9. Look at those two verses with me real quick again. Finally. Be of all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil, but a railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. The first point out of Scripture that I want to give you today is this As children of God, we must be a blessing. Now you say, Jeffrey, why do you need to teach that in the church house? Because there's a lot of Christians, there's a lot of us, that the world may not see as a blessing. And the world may not see as godly or God-filled or changed by the Spirit of God. And here's what we are called to do. We are called to be a blessing no matter what is going on in our life. Maybe this has been a season of busyness for you. Maybe it has been a season where you have had stress that you've never faced before or job issues that you've never dealt with or family situations that you are dealing with. Here's the word. No matter what is going on, we are called to be a blessed people and show that blessing to others that we encounter no matter what is going on in our life. Verse number 9 calls us and it uses a word but contrariwise, but contrary, we must be a blessing to others. What is the opposite of being a blessing? A curse. That's the word I'm looking for. Great job. Great job. But can Christians be a curse? Think about that church. Can we be an opposite of a blessing? Absolutely, if you catch me in the wrong moon or the wrong day, you might see that. But here is the personal challenge that God has given me, that I must be a blessing no matter what is going on around me, no matter my situation. I may not be the greatest blessing to someone, but here's what I often say, I'm not one of those people. I'm not as bad as that. Friends, we forget who our standard is. Our standard is Jesus as a Christian. Our standard is not one another. Our standard is not the worst of the Christian. Our standard is always Jesus. And when I look at Jesus being the leader of our lives, no matter what goes on, we, church, need to constantly be looking at him. Have your eyes on Jesus. Verse number 8. Peter starts out by saying, finally... Now, he's not at the end of the book, but he is at the end of talking about submission and the changes that these people need to make in their everyday life. And he says, finally, be ye all of one mind. There's going to be five things we look at very quickly in this verse. The first one is unity. What does unity look like? This does not mean that you agree on everything. And whether you know this or not, how God can take hundreds of us, put us in the same place, and keep us unified is a work of God. Because humans cannot do that. It's not that we agree on everything. It's that we agree and that we always have our eyes on God and what needs to be done. The call here is to agree in unison or together on what needs to be done. And friends, we've got a lost world out there. And the greatest need in our church's life is not on the inside, it's on the outside. The greatest need is to get the gospel out of these doors. And how do we do that? There are hundreds of ways. But here's what we as a church need to agree on. We're going to take the ones that we're good at, the ones that we feel called to, the ones that we have talents and abilities and we're going to pour into those and take the gospel to the world. We need to be unified, headed the same direction, moving forward together. In that, as we do that, look at the second thing. Having compassion one of another. Compassion. This word is what we know as sympathy. Anybody in here sympathetic? Sympathetic. Anybody in here wish your husband was more sympathetic? Don't answer that, okay? There are times where the sympathy is lacking. And then the, the feelings of the Christian are gone. And we can't relate to maybe what others are going through. But Romans chapter number 12 tells us this. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. When you are looking for ministry... Listen to me. You don't have to look very hard or very long or pray very long. You look for those that are hurting. You look for areas that need the gospel. You look for people uh, that are celebrating. And you move that direction in ministry. You show compassion. You show sympathy of people that are hurting. And friends, we need to show sympathy and compassion To a lost and dying world. Remember these are sojourners. These are people that are not in their homeland. They're not in familiar territory. And Peter is saying this. You've got to be compassionate. It's so easy to look at the the preacher. It would be so easy to look at Peter and say. You expect me to, to be compassionate. I don't even have a place to lay my head. I don't have a place to call home. You don't know what I'm going through. Have you ever used that to somebody? You don't know what I'm dealing with. God does. And as God deals with you, it allows God to deal with our heart and impart compassion and sympathy, sympathy to those that are hurting and those that are without the gospel. Peter moves on and he says, Love as brethren, brotherly love. There is a, loyal in the biologi- a loyalty in the biological family. And I know that, that every family is not like that. And, and sin has destroyed families. I want you to know that. I understand that. But anybody that knows me knows that I love my family with all my heart. And I'll do anything for them. I canceled dinner plans last night because my youngest son killed a deer. And nobody could help him drag it out. And he called dad. So if you've got to cancel dinner plans, you've got to do it. Sorry for those that I was going out to eat with last night. I apologize. They're in this room, okay? Okay. <laughs> Brotherly love does not only look at your family, it looks at your brother and sister as family. And so as you look across this room, and I'm going to give you permission to look around real quick. You have a a tremendous family of brothers and sisters in this room. And that we are called and commissioned through this word today to love one another. As brothers and sisters that Christians should do that. Despite our differences, despite disagreements, despite differing opinions. We are to love one another because Christ loves us and Christ lives in us. And I know that's the only reason some of y'all can love me. It's because Jesus is in you. And I'm going to be honest. That's the only reason that I can love people as well. Because some people are very hard to love. But if you love them with the love that Christ loves you with, I believe the Lord will give you inroads. Inroads to opportunity. Inroads to ministry. Inroads to sharing the gospel. If you ever disagree with somebody, don't you leave that that relationship on the table and disbanded thinking that will never happen. You pray about it and you tenderly and compassionately love them. As Jesus would. The next word is pitiful. Tender-hearted. I don't know how many of us men do this very well, but I want to talk to our men very quickly. In a hard-hearted and calloused world, we are called to be tender-hearted and have a measure of kindness that speaks above that of the world. We're not to be weak. We are to be people who see the needs and that we can relate to it in a kind and caring way. I try to do this, but it's hard. The last word that Peter uses is courteous. And in that definition, it takes it a step further of honor and respect. It puts others before yourself in humility. And here's what it does. I love this example that I've seen. What courteous does is not tell somebody good morning. Courteous tells them good morning, but also holds the door open as they come in. It's it's word and action. It's a call to action that Peter says. Now you say, why in the world would he write a group of dispersed people telling them to be tender hearted and courteous and love one another and be unified and have compassion? Why would that, why would that fit right here amongst submission and suffering? Here's what I believe. I believe God ordained this in Scripture and he knew exactly what these people would be facing in the days ahead. Their lives would be on the line. And guess what he is reminding them? Just to continue to be the blessing and the example of Christ to a hard-hearted evil world. Look at verse number 9. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but on the contrary, but contrary Blessing, knowing that you are there unto called, that you should inherit a blessing. How many of us in our arguments or our discussions, maybe I don't want to use the word arguments, but our discussions with other people have have run to the Bible verse, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. As we defend what we believe, even Christians can run to that verse in the wrong sense. We're ready to roll up our sleeves and and, and knock somebody out because the Bible gives us permission to do so. But the Bible also gives you permission as a Christian to love and to put your fists down and contrary to what the world would do, be a blessing in a hard situation. This is not a cause to a cave. This is not a cause to cover up. This is a cause to, call to be a blessing in the midst of an evil time, knowing that is what we are called to do as Christian people. Verse number nine says, "But contrarywise, blessing, knowing that you are that ye thereunto are called." You are called to be different. You are called to be a blessing. You are called to love in the name of Jesus Christ. And even when it's hard, we do that. Now many people look at the end of verse number 9 and say that you should inherit a blessing. Well, I'll do that because God will bless me. Friends, if you do something with that heart, that is the wrong mindset and heart set to do something. If you give because you say, say, hey, God's going to bless me if I do this. That's the wrong heart. That's that's the wrong mindset. If you give knowing God is going to use what little you give. And he's going to multiply it and change the world for his glory. Friends, that's the attitude behind the gift. The attitude behind love. The Bible teaches to love when you are not loved back. That's the blessing, friends. And here's what I want you to see. All of this is only uh, uh, capable for us to do because Christ lives here. The normal person, the ordinary person without Christ cannot do these things and is not expected to do these things because Christ does not live in their heart. Here's the challenge, number one today. Be a blessing. Challenge number two. Look at verses 10 and 11. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. Point number two today is seek to love life. Seek to love life. Maybe you sit there today and say, Pastor Jeffrey, I love my life. Anybody say that? Anybody love your life today? Raise your hand if you love life. Amen. That's a good thing. Now, here's what I want to say. We love our life. But here's what you might say. Pastor Jeffrey, I've got a great spouse. Pastor Jeffrey, uh, I have awesome kids. Well, God bless you. I've got a dream job. I've got a place to live. I love my life. I do have awesome kids. I want you to know that, okay? (laughs) All of these are blessings from the Lord. But here's what I want you to see. As Peter writes, he's actually quoting Scripture from Psalm 34, verses 12 through 16. And David is in the midst of some of the hardest days of his life. And in those days... Here's what David writes. I'm not going to read it to you for time's sake. And you don't have to turn there. But from Psalm 34, that's your homework. Before you lay your head down tonight, read Psalm 34. But here's some of the words that he writes. I will bless the Lord at all times. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, fear the Lord, ye his saints. For there is no want to them that fear him. The righteous cry and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such as be of contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Do you see the invitation that David gives to taste and see how good God is? But in the middle of that, at the end of the psalm, he says, it's not all roses and candy and cake walk. It's not all that. In that walk with the Lord, there are going to be times where the righteous are going to have to cry out. Because there's no other way. There are going to be times the afflictions hit the ones that are closest to the Lord. And there are the ones... That the Lord redeems the soul of His servant out of horrible situations. David's not writing saying, oh, trust it. Uh, taste the Lord and trust the Lord. Everything's going to be a cakewalk. He says, no, you need to taste and see that the Lord is good now because the days are coming that are going to be hard. I'm not a prophet. I'm not prophesying. I'm not bad-mouthing. The days ahead Christians will be harder for us. So here is the invitation from David and from the hand and the the pen of Peter is this. If you will love life and if, if you want to seek to love life, here are some things that you need to do. It's not to buy a bigger house or buy a nicer car or get nicer clothes. That's not how you love life. Here's how you love life. Look at verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days, let him or her refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. If you want to live a good life, you need to control your tongue. I need to control my tongue. And that's the word here. That is the reminder here. If you desire to have good days, you need to be careful with what comes out of your mouth and what comes out of my mouth. We must be careful. How do we control that tongue? The Bible speaks to it in Proverbs 15, that out of the mouth gushes evil. Psalm 141. Here's the the way. It says this, Set a watch, O Lord, before my mouth. Keep the door of my lips. Without the Lord's help, I can't control the tongue. James speaks to it as a little member that can cause such devastation. And Peter here says, Good days ahead means this, that evil is not on the tongue or coming off the lips. Deceit is not in your mouth. And I chuckled as I wrote those words on a piece of paper because I chuckled because out of Peter's mouth was the same mouth that denied our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as he writes, he writes from better days of preaching and standing to defend Jesus Christ. Christians, we must control our tongue. But we also must turn from evil. Look at verse number 11. Let him eschew evil and do good. You turn because you can't stand it. The word eschew means to avoid because you hate it. This morning, if I had a big old python on my hands, some of you would take off out of here faster than anyone, right? You would avoid it because you hate it. And that is what the Christian is told to do with sin. When you see sin, you are to turn because God hates it. You are to get away from it, but turning from one thing means that you turn to another, and what you turn to is God and His holy word. So, to live a, a good life, a, to live a, or to love life, you gotta watch your tongue. The second thing you need to do is you need to turn from evil. And the third thing you need to do is you need to pursue peace. Look at the end of verse number 11. Let him seek peace and ensue it or pursue it. Romans twelve eighteen says this. If it be possible as much as liveth in you, live peaceably with all men. Peace involves pursuit. I wrote those words. Because there are some moments or some things in my life that I don't have a peace about. There's a lot of things that I have a peace about. God's given them to me. But there are some things, and maybe I'm just speaking for myself. But maybe in your life today, there are things that you don't have a peace about. Here's what we are told. A A life that loves life and seeks to honor the Lord is one that pursues Peace in situations where maybe you don't see peace being in it. Work at it. Pursue a peace with God. Maybe there's a heart in this place today that is not peaceful because it does not have the security that Jesus Christ offers through His salvation on a cross. Today, if you're roaming through life without God, that is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous place to be. And I can assure you this, you do not have a peace today. Seek peace with God. There's an opposite of peace. And and the writer of Ecclesiastes, the wise man Solomon, says this. In chapter 2, verse number 17, he says this. Therefore, I hated life. Have you ever met somebody like that? There's no peace that God offers. And so they begin to turn their back on God. And they hate everything. Maybe this morning if there's a place of hatred rooted where peace needs to be, I invite you to meet me at the altar today. And give it to the Lord for Him to fix and to work on. The last verse is a verse of challenge. Verse number 12. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. The third point today is the favor of the Lord. Seek the favor of the Lord. I want to be clear with this verse. God is sovereign over his people. And I believe that he controls a lot that is out of our control But nowhere in this verse does it promise these sojourners easy days ahead. It doesn't say it's going to get easier. They're not going to bother you anymore. They'll leave you alone. It never says that. But here's what this verse says. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous and His ears are open unto their prayers. From God's point of view, it looks very different than mine. I'm going to use this as just as a terminology and illustration. I often only see life from the playing field. God has the skybox view. He has the, the blimp view and he can see everything that is going on. When I can just see what's going on right in front of me, God has the big picture. And here's what I want you to know as we wind down this sermon today. In your situation, whatever is going on, I want to assure you this. God knows the big picture. God's eyes are on your situation. God's ears are listening for your words of prayer, seeking His intervention and His help. If you find yourself in a situation that is difficult as a child of God. You can know that the Lord is not a stranger to your situation. And he is involved. Today as we close this down. Don't get caught up in the end of it. The end of verse number 12. Here's what it says. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. That scares me. If you go back to Psalm 34, Peter didn't even finish the verse. He didn't even finish it. The rest of the verse says this. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. Do you see God's grace here in the life of these people? Friends, today as we think about a holy God, if you are really loving life, here's what I'm going to bet. God is a centerpiece, is a part of that. If you are missing something in life, God is often put on the back burner. And how many will testify today that when God puts on the back burner, life falls to pieces? Christian today, these are some tough challenges in the midst of submission And hit it into suffering. But they're no different for us today. As we read these words today, let it be a challenge that this world is not going to get any easier. It's going to become more evil. And it's not my job to condemn the world. It's my job to go into the world and love them with the same love that Jesus has loved me with. I'm not standing on my pedestal as judge today. I need to be the first Christian to hit my knees at an altar and say, God, please use a wretched, forgiven sinner to take your gospel to a hurting and needful world. Maybe today there's a, a couple Christians that will join me at this altar. And maybe today there's that one heart in this room that has never said yes to Jesus Christ being your Savior. Here's what I want to say regarding that. As we think about loving life, Christ must be a part of it. And the Bible teaches that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. The only way that we can get rid of our sin is through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And through His payment of that sin on an old wooden wooden cross... His burial in a borrowed tomb and his rising on the third day, he gives and promises life to anyone who will place their faith in him as their Savior. Today, if your life, if your heart is lacking and missing something and you don't see Jesus, I'm going to invite you to come and pray. You can do it where you are, you can come down here and pray with me today at an invitation and ask Jesus to be a part. Of changing and allowing you to become all that he has in store for you. God, to, God wants us to be people of blessing in this world. And I pray today, Christians, it doesn't start outside of these doors. It starts inside of them. It starts with me. And that's the attitude of my heart today. Let's bow together. Father, as we bow before you, Lord, and we seek your guidance, Lord, in this moment of invitation... God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be at work in the lives that are represented here and the hearts that are represented here today. God, in only the way that you can, I pray that you are beginning to meet the needs and draw the hearts that you need today. Lord, today as Christian men and women, maybe the first step is to come and hit our knees before you, God, and just surrender it all to you. Desire you to... Help us to live the life that you have intended us to to live, to be faithful to you. God, if there's things that we need to fix, if there is peace that is lacking, God, I pray in the moment of invitation that you will allow Christians to surrender all, Lord, at the altar to you today. God, I pray, Lord, for that one that needs you as Savior, Lord. In these moments that they feel your Holy Spirit drawing, and that they will be receptive and say yes to the work that you have done. God, we thank you and we give you these moments of invitation now. We pray that you lead them in Jesus' name. Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.